Two important people in Jesus' life reflect on his sacrifice in this fifth week of Lent. For one, his mother. It was a recognition of what she knew to be true at her son's birth. His life would not be his own. He was sent for a greater purpose. Even in the last moments of his life, Jesus looks out for his mother by giving her to his beloved disciple to care for. How can a mother make sense of all of this? A mother is not supposed to bury her children. For Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple of Jesus, there were things to learn from this rabbi. He was a member of the council and considered to be a righteous man. He was one among the Jewish leaders who protested the horrific treatment of Jesus to no avail. What both learned about Jesus was something they needed to know about themselves. Life in Christ makes different people. His sacrifice was for the benefit of the whole world. As the soldiers take the garments of Jesus, who is being crucified, they divide them into four parts. John makes sure to remind the reader that this is all according to the scriptures, that lots would be cast to see who would be the recipient of the untorn clothes of Christ. As this is happening, four women who love Jesus were standing by the cross. Jesus' mother, Jesus' aunt, another Mary, who was the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, a disciple of Jesus. Nearby stood the disciple whom Jesus loved. Jesus takes great care to make sure that the disciple will treat his mother as his own after his death. The first reading is from John, the 19th chapter. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you know what it's like to lose a child? Perhaps some of you do. It is a worse fate than being diagnosed with a terminal illness. It is made even worse when you know the things I know 
and experience what I have experienced regarding my son Jesus, whom you call Christ. It all began over 30 years ago with one of the stories of the Bible that you listen to each Christmas. But I wonder if you really hear what is happening. I wonder if you really understand what impact it had. I discovered that my cousin Elizabeth was going to have a child in her old age. This in itself was remarkable, but then before I went to visit her on this occasion, I myself was visited by the angel of the almighty God. The divine tale he told was that I would bear a son who would have no earthly father and that he would be the long-awaited Messiah whom the prophets of the Old Testament predicted would come someday. This is quite a shock, but imagine the honor. I was told that I had found favor with the God Almighty. Then this, this tale became a bit strange. It was clear that Jesus was no ordinary child. He knew things children shouldn't know until they were adults. And with this knowledge, he taught adults as if they were children. And then, as an adult himself, he began to do many strange and wonderful things. But none of them seemed to, seemed to be in line with what the chief's pri chief priests always said would accompany the true Messiah. One time, I even went with some of our family members to try to bring him back home. We thought he was surely out of his mind. The crowd certainly didn't accept his message. They ultimately turned against him, as I had feared. Well, you know how it ended. He was killed horribly, and I was there to watch it. And it almost killed me to see him suffer that way. But you also know that he rose from the dead in accordance with God's will. I know it too. Now I understand. It was my son. My son who died for you. It was the hardest thing in life to go through. But now I understand his sacrifice, at least. It was his sacrifice for you. Do you understand? As Jesus breathes his last breath from the cross, he commends his own spirit to his father. A centurion nearby makes a confession of faith saying, surely he was innocent. All of Jesus's friends, family, and acquaintances leave the site of his death while Joseph of Arimathea comes to gather his friend's body from Pilate in order to bury it properly. He tends to the body with dignity and respect and does what he can before the Sabbath begins. He wraps Jesus' lifeless body in linens and places him in a tomb cut from the stone. The women in Jesus' life prepared the spices for his body and waited until the time when they could return to anoint his body. The second reading is from Luke, chapter 23. 
Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, like Caiaphas, was a member of the ruling council, and in the end I too was responsible for Jesus' death by my association with them. But I never agreed with what they did, either publicly or privately. You know, it's very difficult, it was very difficult to try and make them understand that mob mentality was a tough thing to overcome, and Caiaphas had most of the priests and all the Pharisees convinced that Jesus should die. Most, but not all. I was not convinced because I saw in Jesus that he was indeed the long-awaited Messiah that the scripture had told us about. I argued against all of them in the council, but it was all in vain. Mine was a minority voice and it fell upon deaf ears. I should be clear I'm not telling you this to try and make myself look better. I too have faults. And I guess my reasons for explaining my disagreement led up to my role in this entire affair. Looking back, I now see that things happened in those three days just the way that God wanted them to. At the time, however, all I could see was that Jesus had been killed. And I had not wanted it that way. I struggled to make sense of the whole thing. It didn't seem possible. I was sure that Jesus was this Messiah. And of course he was. But his death just didn't make sense to me. I was waiting for this promised kingdom of God. And I didn't realize that the enemy of that kingdom was sin and death and the devil. I thought it was the Romans. As I struggled to come to terms with the events of those days and that Friday, I finally realized that there was one thing I could do. I could at least give Jesus a dignified burial, 
by placing him in my own tomb. It was purchased so that I would have a place. But it seemed the right thing to do, giving up my burial site for him. You know, I tell you these things not to blow my own horn. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It was one of the true, very few true selfless things that I ever did. Of course, I know now, like you, that the end of the whole story, the women went back to the tomb following the Sabbath. You see, they weren't allowed to prepare the body for burial on the Sabbath. They went back to the tomb and they discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead. And now I also realize that the end result for this, for us. You see, Jesus taught us what true selfishness is. He gave up his life for us that we might not die, but live. I stumbled blindly through life, doing what was truly right, mostly by accident. Jesus, however, forgives us so that we might forgive others. And in the end, Jesus served us through his sacrifice so that we might then in turn serve others. Some thoughts to ponder after hearing two more stories. How do you suppose it felt for Mary to have to watch the way her son was treated? Have you ever felt that powerless? In what ways did Mary serve God? Do you think it would have been dangerous to do what Joseph did for Jesus? Who might have been upset about his kind treatment of Jesus' body? And why? How did his actions serve God? This time of Lent, as we prepare for Easter and we do a lot of reflecting, um, everybody, it's a little different, I think, for everybody and what they do and how they do it. But think about the ways that you have um, maybe grown during this time. And as you've reflected on the voices that you've heard,
how have you thought differently or more deeply about how Jesus sacrificed for you?